Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are in a series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Scotty Hines, one of the pastors at Generations Church. Alongside of me is my good friend, Pastor Jeff Ludditson, lead pastor at Generations Church. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I am well. I do not have coronavirus yet. <laughs> yet? That, Maybe you don't have know. it. You're just immune to it. Well, I may be immune. I don't know. It takes 14 days, so it's been a minute, but I had to go to the store yesterday. So, uh, you know, I could have caught the I could have caught the plague. I don't know, man. We don't know. Well, hopefully not, man. Hopefully um hopefully we've got enough health and strength to fight off and um not get caught up in the craziness man. of it all. But hey, man, you know, I'm excited to get back on this. I know we've had like this little uh, transition season, you know, with this whole COVID yeah, stuff. But, um, yeah. you know, as we were as we were looking at, <clears throat> as I was looking and studying over question uh, 28, 29, and 30, man, you know what I noticed is communion, right? Because we're going to be talking about communion. I kind of noticed right, something right. pretty cool. And I wanted to point that out to you is if you took each Lord's Day, which for us will be episodes, right? Um, you could see the communion and this is great for those of you who are listening, man, if you kind of just section these off in these three categories, you could probably apply them even deeper. But the first one, man, I noticed in question 28, uh, or excuse me, Lord's Day or episode 28, it's a spiritual kind of approach to communion, you know? Yeah. And I looked at Lord's Day 29 and it has more of a physical, you know? Okay. And then when you look at, when you look at uh, uh, Lord's Day 30 or episode 30 for us, you see a very, like a contrast, what different, you know, why are we different or how are we practicing it different than, um, let's just say the Catholic church for that. For that sure. So, sure. Yeah, man. I, I wanted to share that with you and see what you thought. I like that, man. In fact, uh, so let's do this. Uh, first, let me, let me respond to you, uh, with, so we will take these three episodes and today we will look at the spiritual implications of communion. If you are listening at home and uh th there's a, a whole host of terms here uh pardon the pun if you understand that and caught the word host anyhow so uh there's <laughs> eucharist there's communion there's lord's supper right and so um there's the shared meal that jesus proclaims and teaches about and calls us to so today we'll look at the spiritual implications of that in this episode in our next episode we will look at some of the physical pieces of that. How does that work? What happens with the bread? What doesn't happen with the bread? What happens with the cup? No, doesn't happen with the cup, right? And then on the, the third episode, which will be Lord's Day 30, uh, episode 30 for us, like you said, let's contrast that with Roman Catholics, uh, Lutherans, you know, Baptists. And uh, to give that some context, we approach this from what we call the reform view. And so Theologically, we are Reformed. That means that we have our, our, our history, really, in the last 500 years of the church from the time of the Protestant Reformation uh, forward. And so that's Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and just a, a huge amount of uh, what we look back as uh, Christian giants, if you will, not superheroes. I mean, not, you know, they're no better than, than you or I, but uh, but they are giants throughout history. I mean, modern day giants, you know, whether you love or, or don't love some of these leaders, history will record men like Chuck Smith, who died recently, you know, not too long ago, right, as the founder and, and, and uh, 
just the one who pushed out Calvary Chapel all over the place, man. They did amazing ministry. Wow. In this part of it, I just had an alarm go off. So I'm sorry, guys. Um, uh, not alarm like nobody's burglarizing my house. I had a reminder to do something. So <laughs> I apologize. Hey, you guys. What was it to remind you to turn it off? <laughs> I don't know. I just shut it off so fast. I'm probably going to miss it. Anyhow, let's see. Um, uh, pay your bills. Or you're going to get kicked out of your house. Nope, that's not it. Okay, just checking. All right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, men that are just kind of giants of the faith. I use Chuck Smith. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a big Calvary Chapel guy. I mean, we disagree with some things theologically, but but I know, I knew, excuse me, and really appreciated Chuck, uh, Pastor Chuck. Uh, other men, man, R.C. Sproul died just a couple years ago. Three, I don't, I don't remember, two, three years ago maybe. And uh, he was a giant and more of a Reformed theology giant. So I, I find more identity, uh, you know, commonality with R.C. Sproul than I do with Pastor Chuck. But, but uh, let me just say this, man. There are men that go down in history that shape things for Christianity. They are people that are the tip of the spear in different movements. And so ours goes back about 500 years to the Protestant Reformation, where people began to protest the Roman Catholic Church, and they wanted to reform it. Men like Luther rise to the front. Protestant Reformation came from those two words, protesting what was going on and wanting to reform it. And so we come out of that, our view or our theology or our tribe is typically called the Reformed tribe. Now that's important to us today as we look at these three episodes, we're approaching this from the Reformed view, right? So, uh, yeah. you know, we, we shorthand that. So if you're listening and you well, like, what is reformed? We just typically call it biblical. Oh, that's a bad joke. If they're ah. Baptist or something else, you know what I mean? Anyhow, so no, the reformed view. So we come from a, from ah. a, a approach of reformed theology. Now I'm going to throw that in. We are recording this well on social distancing, stay at home, safer at home stuff. Right? So in the midst of the coronavirus breakout, we're in Southern California. In fact, we're both in LA, uh, not LA city, LA County. And so we're seeing a lot of it around us. Our church has been online for the last three Sundays. And I want to add a question in here today that we will talk about when we talk about communion in these three episodes. So uh, a common question about communion is, should we, should churches, should our pastor, should us as a church, should other churches do communion via live stream? And so I want to tackle that. I want to, I want to, answer some of those questions for those of you that listen to our podcast. And if you're hearing this voice, you're listening to our podcast. So thank you. Um, so we'll add that in. And uh, so if you're unfamiliar with what we're doing, you clicked on this because you're bored at home or, you know, you're, you're at home because of this sequester season. We're working through a 450-year-old catechism, which a catechism is a way of learning that's questions and answers. And we're going through that talking about how something historic and as profound as the Heidelberg Catechism has modern day relevance to our lives today in 2020. So this is a, a learning tool. I know Pastor Scott, he does this with his kids. He does the New City Catechism with his kids. And uh, we're doing the Heidelberg Catechism. And all that is, catechism means a way of learning with memorized questions and answers. And so I'm going to ask the question. Pastor Scott's going to answer them. The questions say, uh, ask, I ask what you believe and the, the answers are, here's what I believe, right? And, or often what we believe. And so today's three questions and answers about communion. So ready? I am ready, Freddie. Let's rock and roll. That was really slow, bro. I'm, I'm unconvinced. Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. Oh. All right. Here we go. Question and answer. 
75. How does the Holy Supper remind you and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his benefits? Answer. In this way, Christ has commanded me and, and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of him. With this command come these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the one who serves and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord given me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. All right. Second question for today. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his poured out blood? Answer. It means to accept with the believing hearts the entire suffering and death of Jesus of Christ and thereby to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so although he is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. And we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as the member of our body are by one soul. Woo, I like that. We've got one more question, but I just want to say this. So although he is in heaven and we are on earth, right, there is this union between us and Christ. And we'll, we'll get there. All right, final question is question 77 if you're a big fan of Heidelberg. Otherwise, it's our third question today in episode 28. Where does Christ promise to nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat this broken bread and drink this cup? Answer, in this institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul in these words, the cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body. We all partake of the one bread. Mm. That's amazing, man. Um, it's, uh, definitely it definitely proclaims unity, oh. um, spiritual unity. I love that part. You know what, uh, man, if you can, uh, and, and, you know, I'm not, I don't have anything to write with right now, man. We're meeting on Zoom. And for those of you that are listening to the podcast, if you wonder why the audio sounds a little different or something, that's because we are practicing social distancing. We're both at home. And uh, every once in a while, you'll hear my, my beautiful little pit bull moose. He's walking around in the background. You'll hear him on the, on the carpets, man. You might hear Ryan in Brooklyn, they're studying at home at, at Pastor Scott's house. Uh, so it's a little different. And, and I just want to say this, Scott, if you remember this, man, when we talk about unity, right? That's a beautiful theme in communion. Yeah. When we get to our contrast, what do we believe differently than the Roman Catholic Church? Or what do we believe differently than the Lutheran Church or the Baptist Church or, you know, the church around the corner, right? What do we believe differently? I think unity is something we need to discuss inside of that. So just mental note, if you and I can think about mm. it, hopefully 
those of you that listen to our podcast, maybe you'll remind us if we missed the, you know, just missed doing that or whatever. Unity is huge, man. Unity, that's a good catch on that, Scott. I like that. Um, Thanks, in the final it. answer uh, of question 77, the, well, the only answer to question 77, but <laughs> the third answer of our, our you know, the, of our question today, uh, I want you guys listening to hear that most of that are direct quotes from two passages in 1 Corinthians. And the first one are what we call the words of institution, right? So Pastor Scott's answer was in the institution of the Lord's Supper. And so we call those the words of institution. What are the words that I or, or, or Pastor Scott that we do when we're, when, we're, when we're serving communion to the church? What are the words that we use? Uh, and we use Paul's words. Uh, we use yeah. Paul's words out of 1 Corinthians 11 because Paul directly quotes Jesus. And so Paul takes it and he says this. And so you can, you can hear this in Paul's words. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So that's a direct quote of Jesus. Paul comes back and he says this. In the same way he, meaning Jesus, took the cup also after supper, saying, now he quotes Jesus, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in the remembrance of me. Now Paul gives us some commentary. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So here's a bit of the, hey, here's why it's important. This has, and I'm going to kind of reword it, this has gospel implications, right? As mm -hmm. often mm -hmm. as you participate in communion, in the body and the blood of the Lord, you proclaim the gospel. You proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Now, the second part of that answer, about two-thirds of the way in, is uh, the Heidelberg Catechism says the promise is repeated by Paul in these words, then quotes Paul again from 1 Corinthians 10. Expanding on it, it says, the cup of blessing that we bless is, not a sh is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in one bread. So Paul is proclaiming that unity, right? And there is diversity of understanding. Does the bread change substance? Does the presence of the Lord surround the substance? We'll get to that on the third episode. Uh, what happens in this moment? So I want us to talk about first spiritually, as you said, right? Yeah. And yeah. so the words of institution are the mm -hmm. most famous part, right? That on the night that Lord, uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, right? Take eat. He took the cup, same way, blessed it, shared it, drink, right? He did this. Now, when Paul says that, and he gives that, that, uh, that expansion on it, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he gives that to us, but he doesn't stop there. We stop there. We tend to use those words, those three or four verses, whatever it is. It's uh, 23 yeah. through 26, so it's four verses. Uh, we stop there as the words of institution, but Paul goes on, he says this, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so Paul goes on and he gives a, a warning, right? Don't yeah. just do this. Don't just show up to church because everybody does it 
And so if you're listening and you don't attend Generations Church where Pastor Scott and I are pastors and elders, um, we do communion every Sunday. Now, we're not doing it in this season of uh, social distancing where we're, you know, safer at home is the language everybody's using, right? We're not doing it. And, and I want to cover some of that. But when we are in, when we are gathering together physically, when we get together in the same space, we do communion every Sunday with, with about four or so exceptions. And those four exceptions are when we do baptisms. We typically do baptisms roughly quarterly. And on those four Sundays, we don't do communion. We do baptisms instead. So if you're really to look at that, we do communion almost every Sunday when we gather together. We have a couple different yeah. ways we do it. Uh, we experience it differently. Uh, we also have a couple different services where we do it like Monday, Thursday, which we're not going to do this year because we're doing social distancing. So we do communion services almost 52 times a year, really. All right. Yeah. No, we we do. do this because we believe it's a means of grace. Yeah. Paul gives us a warning. Don't just show up and do it. Don't yeah. make this the thing like you do it and you don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that because when you first off, when you add the the twenty seven to thirty, those those last four verses. First off, I can see why people tend to leave them out. Um, however, because that's intense, man. When you think of it, saying something along the lines that that people are dying unnecessary deaths, you know. Yeah, verse thirty says that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. <laughs> Dude, that's not a crowd pleaser. <clears throat> no, not at all. And he's speaking to believers, so it's a very humbling passage. And you know, we talked about this being the spiritual you know, section yeah. and um, in unity. I honestly, man, it, it, when you read Paul's instructions, you see the command, he's reminding us of the command, but when you read his instructions, if we as believers, <clears throat> verse 28, let a person examine himself. Right. That's the place, brother, where I know, first off, that's spiritual. This yeah. is the part where, where God has carved out communion for our spirits. You know what I mean? This is yeah. where you're going, because you could look at it and say, okay, these are all the functions. I need this, I need this, right. I do this, I do that. But here's the spiritual part, and this is the part where you can even, you know, you're going to have to exercise some disciplines, but examining yourself, that's where you can look at, man, how I've been treated, you know, first off, how I've been leading my home, how have I been treating my wife, which yesterday, man, I could definitely improve. Um, how am I discipling <laughs> my kids? You know, yeah, hey man, you know what I mean? It's early today right now. So, you know, by, I, by the end of today, I will need improvement as well. You know what I mean? Exactly. But, but as I read, man, I listen to Paul giving these warnings, but they're just, I, I hear it from a man who loves us and a man who just mm, wants us to grow spiritually. And I hear it from a man who just wants us to, to engage with Christ in the deepest spiritual, um, you know, place we can. And so yeah. I, I honestly, brother, it's so difficult to come out of these places of examination to be divisive. And I would say if you are divisive and still pushing your will after communion, Man, you got to examine a little more because mm, that's, that's where good. the unity, you know, but um, yeah, man. And so I like that. And, and he promises to nourish us and refresh us with his body and blood. I, I see that's how to be examining. He humbles us. Yeah. And um, we so experience we, um, that means of grace, which you guys like to talk about. That's exactly where I was going to go. So in the reform tradition, we use the language of a means of, of grace, right? Sign and seal. We use things like that means of grace. In other words, we believe, and the reason that we do communion each Sunday when we gather with rare exception is because we believe it's a means of grace. And what that means is that this is a way that God strengthens believers 
when I am uh, serving communion, when I am teaching the church, uh, uh, proclaiming what, what communion is to the church, I often use, the, after the words of institution, I say, you know, just as the bread and the cup nourish our body, so too the, the bread and the cup spiritually, they nourish our soul, they nourish our spirit, right? Just as physical food nourishes our physical yeah. body, so communion nourishes, strengthens, is a means of grace to our spirit. And so I want to read something out of John chapter 6, and uh, this is where Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life in verse 35. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so that's an abstract. Jesus is beginning. He's, uh, there's a lot there. The I am there is an incredible language where he is actually, he is proclaiming he is God. There's amazing things here. But uh, he says, now I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So clearly he's not saying if you eat right now, uh, whatever I give you or me or pull off my finger or do something, right? That does not mean you won't be hungry tomorrow or thirsty, right? But it's an abstract. But then he makes a promise about five verses later. He says this in verse 40, for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day, right? So communion, participation in Christ is a promise. And the the sign of that promise is communion, that you participate in Christ. And so he goes on, and now 10 verses later, starting in verse 50, in John 6, verse 50, uh, the next five verses say this, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Listen to this, and the bread that I give I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's saying, I'm going to give my body, literally, my body for everyone to have life. He goes on, he says, then, you know, the Jews, like kind of argue with him. But verse 53, Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has an eternal life, has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. There's a promise. And I will get you in front of my father, eternally cared for, right? And so early Christians were actually thought of as cannibals because of some of this language. I'm, I'm yeah. not kidding, right? The oh. early Christian church, people from the outside are like, they do some weird stuff, man. They eat flesh, yeah. they drink blood. Well, what happens is Jesus is saying, listen, here's how you will do this. When Jesus sat down on the night he was betrayed, he says, this bread is my body. Imagine a visual explanation. Hey, my body is about to be broken and my blood is about to be shed. Now, so that you don't have to endure that, here is bread. You can participate in my body with this bread. Spiritually, just like you examine yourself spiritually, you can participate spiritually. And so here too is the cup. It's a covenant. It's a sign sealing you. He says it's a covenant promising you forgiveness of sin. I am sealing you eternally. And so a sacrament, like on its most basic level, is a symbolic action ordained by Jesus, right, in which he's attached a promise, right, a promise of his blessing, a promise of his presence, right? The sign is the understanding. It's not just the, you know, the water, you know, the, the uh, not water of the baptism, but the bread and the wine. It's not that, right? It's not the broken bread or the grape juice. Most churches don't use wine, they use grape juice, right? 
Yeah. But it's everything in this is spiritual. Just like you said earlier, when you're called to examine yourself, that's a spiritual examination. It's not using your eyes and looking if you're dressed well. It's a spiritually looking at your heart, right? And so this is something that is done in the context of the church. And so this is one reason. This is probably the more spiritual of the reasons why we don't do communion when we're social distancing. On our next episode, when we get to the physical aspects, I want to talk about the shared meal. We'll get there the next time. But right now, if we just listen to Paul's words, hey, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he did this. Now you do it. As long as you do it, you proclaim the gospel over yourselves and you examine yourself spiritually. You do this. You participate in one another. So we have promises. We have warnings. We have spiritual implications. And we do that under the context of the body gathered. And so there's just a beauty there, man. And that is not something, especially with those warnings, that's not something we just want to take into our own hands that we want to do any old way we want to. We want to do that in the context of worship, in the context of explanation, in the context of contemplation, in the place where we have the opportunity for God to show us where we need to repent and let us do that. Well, that's great, Pastor Jeff. Man, I love that. I love this time that we looked at communion. And saints, just know as you're listening to this and you, you're, you wanted to grow in your faith, man, right here. The basic, simple steps of obedience will have a huge impact on your life spiritually. Anyhow, I want to thank you all for listening to the Generations Church podcast. Uh, every Tuesday, we release a new episode of the Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude. We also uh, occasionally on Thursdays release kind of a special episode when we have them. But if you can, please give this a like. Please write a review. And most importantly, give this like 10 shares. We thank you so much for listening to the Generation Church podcast. Enjoy your day, saints. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.